Captain Jay Hood, weekday mornings at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan. I'm Jonathan Hood as we go to the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. And we are honored to have a great friend of our show. He is the executive vice president and general manager of the Chicago White Sox. We are your home for White Sox baseball. Rick Hahn is with us. Rick, good morning. Three weeks from today, we start the 2023 season. How are things shaping up from your end? Uh, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. And, and only three weeks is, is music to our ears. We are Ready. eager to get going. Uh, it has been a outstanding camp so far. Obviously, we're only halfway through, and we need some uh, blessings from the baseball gods to stay healthy here over the next 21 days. But uh, so far, so good. It's been, uh, it's been exciting down here. Rick, I, I want to ask about uh, comments made by Jose Abreu regarding togetherness. That's a big word, it's a mouthful. When, a, when Jose Abreu says the Sox had a problem with togetherness last season, what do you think he means by that? You know, Jonathan, I, I think that's probably a better question for Jose if you get a chance to speak to him. I think from our standpoint, our focus is on building something special here with Pedro and the new staff. And I got to say, the whether you call it togetherness or communication or everyone pulling from the same direction, whether it's players in the clubhouse, uh, our staff, our player development people, or scouts, uh, for the last several weeks and, frankly, last several months ever since Pedro's come on board, uh, we've had a fantastic dynamic going on in that clubhouse. And uh, we're just eager to get going on this season and see it hopefully translate into much, much better results on the field. Rick, as I looked at your off season, and now that the Clevenger issue is behind you, I still am a – this is from my seat – a little bit of trepidation that there's not enough depth if you have to deal with any type of starting pitching injuries, which Carlos Rodon, the Yankees, just spent $165 million and he's going to start the season on the injured list. So do you is that something that gives you pause or you feel like you have enough depth there that you could handle a 15-day DL stint? Uh, 15 days, sure. But I will tell you right now, there's not a single GM in baseball who's going to sit here three weeks before the season and tell you they're comfortable with their pitching depth. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a volatile and difficult to project, uh, player class where there's a great deal of risk involved. So I think all of us try to be as, as diligent as possible in trying to accumulate as much depth as possible. Uh, as we sit here today, Knock on wood, the five that we plan to break with are, are in good stead. Uh, we have Davis Martin behind them, uh, who's having a nice spring as well. Uh, and we're hopeful about some of our young guys taking that step forward this year that we saw Davis take last year, whether it's a, a Sean Burke or a now healthy Jonathan Stever or a guy like Jesse Schlotten, who, Schulten, who in camp this so far has been mild, somewhat impressive. So uh, we're going to stay on that group and hopefully add over the course of the season but uh, as we sit here today we're in a we're in a decent spot rick every year you're trying to improve this roster tinker with this roster to get it to a championship level why do you believe that this roster could be better than last year's Sox team well look you, you rewind to 12 months ago and not only you know inside the organization but perhaps more importantly when you looked at the objective projections for where this team was headed 
much less the evaluations of, of those who come through camp and, and prognosticate over the course of the season. We were expected to potentially run away with this division. Many of us were, t- many clubs or many experts were talking about us as World Series contenders. And we feel like we have a group that dramatically underachieved. Obviously, just about everything that could have gone wrong last year did go wrong. Uh, in some ways, it's, we're, it's remarkable that we actually wound up 500 given all the adversity we faced. But that core group of talent is still there. We feel that we have a more balanced team this year by having a guy like Andrew Benintendi in the lineup. If Oscar Colas seizes the right field job, that helps balance things out as well and improves the outfield defense. Uh, we've strengthened ourselves up the middle by having essentially two shortstops at shortstop and second and T.A. and Andrus. And given what we all saw to Elvis over the last you know couple of months when he was in a White Sox uniform and how he looks thus far this spring, that gives us a lot of hope for not only how we're going to be improved defensively, but also how we're going to be a, a smarter and more professional team from top to bottom in that lineup. So your manager, Pedro Grafal, said, look, I looked across the field and I did not see the energy from that team. You now had the opportunity, as you should, go out and do a search. And who does Rick want to manage the team he's the GM of? And you got to pick your guy. And I'm hearing, I wasn't at camp, I'm hearing, wow, there's really good energy and the prep looks good and just a different vibe do you see a different vibe with this man? I'm not asking you to say anything about the former manager. This camp, are you pleased with the energy and vibe you're seeing? Could not be happier, Cap. I'm, 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 I don't know what it looks like from 2,000 miles away, but I know everyone who comes through here is stunned, let's say, or, or uh, overly impressed with our attention to detail, the communication, the diligence and focus on fundamentals and the professionalism which each day is run with. You know, frankly, Pedro and his staff are rolling into the complex at around 4.30, 5, 5.30 a.m. every day uh, to get ready for, for each day, and they're there past the end of the game, which makes me a little concerned about maintaining that level of energy and focus over the course of a seven-month season going through October. But the, the diligence, focus, and energy we're seeing from the staff has translated into the drills, has translated into uh, the clubhouse, and has made for a, so far, a very successful camp. We, we could not be happier with where we sit right now. White Sox General Manager Rick Hahn with Cap and Jay Hood on Chicago's Home for Sports and the home of the White Sox, ESPN 1000. Rick, I've heard you and Pedro talk about playing with an edge. I remember when Pedro was hired and how that was important to be able to play with an edge. I think you're describing some of that as far as being diligent on the field. Could you define what that entails for this team? When you say edge, what do you want to see? Well, I think there's two ways to, to look at it, Jonathan. One, I think what part of what Pedro was refer, referencing was making sure we use every advantage at our disposal to help us win that night, whether that's a matchup, whether it's positioning, whether it's a pitch selection or an approach from our hitters versus that night's starter, using every competitive advantage that is presented over the course of the evening to our advantage when possible. I think another thing you're referencing and something I've talked about a little bit when I've used the word edge is that there's a feeling throughout this, well, throughout the clubhouse, but also throughout the organization that we have something to prove. We disappointed not only ourselves last year, we disappointed White Sox fans, and we surprised the rest of baseball in terms of 
how far below our capabilities we felt like we played. So whether you single out an individual player in that clubhouse uh, who feels like they have something to prove, or you talk to a coach or this or you know, a front office executive, we all feel a little bit of an edge in terms of something to prove to ourselves and to the rest of baseball this year, which, I, again, I think that sort of chip or edge or whatever you want to call it uh, is going to serve us well. So I sit on my couch. I watch every White Sox game. I watch every Cubs game. I've got multiple screens going, and I'm locked in. It's my favorite sport. I love baseball. You've got a 2-1 to lead. We're going to the ninth. Buckle your seatbelt. But you have a closer who's dealing with a health crisis right now. Do you feel like I might have to designate one guy? You're going to be the closer till Liam is back with us. I may have to go make a trade and get somebody that I can plug into that role. Or I can handle this internally. Both what you reference is, is, are, are possible, whether we designate somebody or ultimately make the decision to go outside the organization to add at some point, obviously closer to the deadline. However, as we sit here today and talking things through with Pedro and looking at you know, the options we have, whether it's Graveman or Kelly or Lopez or potentially Bummer from the left side, he feels, and I agree strongly, that we have the talent in the current back-end makeup of the, of the bullpen for him to mix and match, for him to, as he describes it, play the leverage game and decide, you know, as you well know, watching all that baseball, a lot of nights the game is decided in the seventh or eighth inning. Yep. You know, that's when the, the middle of the order is coming up to protect that one-run lead or the starter runs out of gas and you've got to bring in a guy who you need a strikeout or a double play with an inherited runner. So going into the year, Pedro's going to – take that approach. He's going to use the best guy for the given situation, regardless of uh, what inning it is. If for whatever reason, prior to Liam returning, that way is not working or someone sort of seizes that ninth inning with their performance, we'll adjust on the fly. But the, the talent is there to, uh, you know, knock on wood, be able to survive uh, Liam's absence. Rick, of course, you have to take care of your own house with the White Sox, but I'm also wondering your thoughts about overall the American League Central and how competitive you believe your roster is to the Guardians, Twins, and others in the division. Look, the Guardians are the champs. And just like we were the hunted last year coming off of our division, you know, they're the hunted. And we have something to prove uh, that we're able to measure up against them. Not necessarily only in terms of wins and losses, which obviously is the most important thing, probably the three most important things to us, but in terms of the intensity and the competitiveness that we show against them on a nightly basis. There were just nights where they brought it more than we did. And as Pedro referenced, even though he's referring to Royals-White Sox games, there were nights where you could look across the dugout and know that we weren't necessarily bringing it at the full level that we needed to with that level of focus and intensity to win that night. The Guardians did that for six months, and that's why they wore the crown. So we need to match them from that standpoint, and we need to prove we're able to uh, beat them on the field at the end of end of nine. Uh, obviously, the the Twins are going to, you know, despite a disappointing season from them last year, they are extraordinarily talented, uh, and we'll be right there as well. And we all see how the Royals play us all the time, and you know it's going to be a, it's going to be a highly competitive division which, frankly, I think makes for a fun summer and one we're very much looking forward to. I want to use that word you just said, fun. In 2019-2020, 
your team was fun. Like in 19... Hey, hey, they're coming, man. They're coming. Not quite there yet. They're coming. 2020. Fun. I remember TA's walk-off over the Yankees in the Field of Dreams game. Oh, yeah. Man, the whole country was like, boy, that White Sox team, man. They got a lot of personality. Didn't see that last year. Do you want your team to show that swagger, that fun, that enthusiasm this year? Absolutely. I mean, look, that was missing. That was absolutely missing last year. And it was part of our identity. And in the end, players or anyone in any professional environment thrives when they're able to be themselves, to be comfortable, to show the world who they are and that they're taking pride in in their accomplishments. So we want that environment. We want TA to do what TA does. We want guys to be able to show some of their personality and some of their identity because that's likely a byproduct, not only of them feeling comfortable and being able to excel, but when you have a whole unit doing that together, that means good times are happening. So absolutely want to see that. I agree with you completely. We, we lost some of that in 22, um, but I feel like it's coming back. Rick, uh, from your seat, how difficult was it for you to navigate through the distraction for Mike Clevenger? I know that's not what you wanted, but that's what happened. I, I guess from everything we read, it's behind the situation's behind him. But in the moment, what was that like for you? You know, it, it was uh, a unique situation, one that we fortunately hadn't had to dealt, deal with as an organization for the last couple of decades that I've been around here. Uh, but it was also one that I think maybe reinforced uh, in the clubhouse the idea of trying to remain focused on your individual task that's ahead of you for that day. Uh, the players did an excellent job remaining focused on what we were trying to do here as a unit. I know that there was perhaps a lot of lot more discussion or distraction uh, outside the clubhouse or, or away from the team, but the team as a group, uh, I feel, remain focused on the task at hand, and then that continues to be the case going forward. By the way, Sunday night is the Oscars. Like, I haven't heard of 96% of the movies that are getting nominations. <laughs> are you a movie guy, and did you see the ones up for Best Picture? Oh man, I didn't know Sunday was the Oscars. I'm not gonna lie to you. Cap. I didn't so either. I, I, oh boy. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm a movie guy, but since I don't know when the Oscars are, and I couldn't name like four movies or three movies that are nominated for Best Picture, I, I just got to tap out of that one. How about right. Top Gun Maverick? I saw that. You got to see that. That was I mean, awesome. Shoot, you know, you know my age. That's that speaks to my youth. I yes. got to see Top Gun Maverick, and that was entertaining. I don't know if that's Best Picture worthy. Uh, it's nominated. It's, uh, it's up for it. Is it really? Yes. Well, there you go. I so, uh, of the uh, pictures I'm aware of being nominated for Best Picture, I go with Top Gun Maverick. Good. I, I'm with you. Glad that's a hell of an answer. <laughs> I, 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 we, we, we really thought I was going to ask you about your days at the drive in watching E.T., but apparently you have seen something more modern since then, Rick. <laughs> a little more modern. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever been to a drive in. I would have liked to. But yeah, that's a little before my time. How old do you think I am, Jay Hood? Uh, in that job, in, in that job, seventy-five. Well, good point. Good point. I've been dramatically no doubt about that. Hey, man, if I could have, yeah. if I could have listened to some of the calls you've gotten over the years, whether it's we're doing what, I got to do what, yeah. that would be pretty funny <laughs> stuff. Well, it'll age you, but uh, you know, one nice thing about spring is it is a bit of rebirth. You know, not only the leaves on the trees and the grass turning green, but the return of uh, 
the return of baseball, I think, gives us all sort of that shot in the arm and that rebirth and, and excitement for the for the summer ahead. And that's what we're feeling out here. All right, let's go. Rick, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you lastly, uh, just the, the pace of the game. Cap and I talked about this earlier regarding the spring training numbers. We saw this from Jeff Pass in the time of the game, 301 in 2022, now down to 236. I, I didn't know the game was broken, but apparently these machinations will help the game. So what's the difference that you see from last year to this year? You know, it, it's funny because I'm a bit of a traditionalist and and in terms of the game at least and being sort of uh you know obsessed with it my entire life i personally didn't really see anything wrong with it either but i also knew that i'm not the you know target for necessarily these changes it's in order to make the game more broadly appealing uh and i gotta say the the pace of game watching it last year in the minors and now seeing it for the first few weeks here in spring it's been a big positive, and I think one of the key key elements of it is the changes didn't remove any game action. They removed the non-game action. So it's hard to object to losing 25 minutes of you know guys stepping out of the box or adjusting their batting gloves or throws over the first. So it's been uh, it's been fun to watch. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens when there's the first. Uh, walk-off pitch clock violation in a regular season game and how people react to that. But so far, it's been uh, it's been really entertaining. Rick, we appreciate the time, man. Always love chatting with you. We'll see you around the ballpark in three weeks. I look forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Rick Hahn, the general manager for the Chicago White Sox, with us on the CarX Tire and Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Don't worry, call the CarX man. Okay, it's about that time. You're tuned in to the Cap and J Hood Show. Everything ain't hardcore, you know. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Cap and J Hood on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. We're going to have coming up the Friday folder. At 9.35, right here on ESPN 1000. We're with you until 10, and then Greeny takes over from 10 to noon. Then we got Peggy and Yurko from 12 to 2. Waddle and Sylvie from 2 to 6 into, you got here, Tyler. Tyler on 6 to 8. And then the ads couples. Norling, what kind of last name is that? Is that Nordic? (laughs) Shame. It's going to be the first 10 minutes of the show. Let me ask you a question. Where are your people from? Just ask him the question. Know what I mean? Then he's going to know some hot woman from 1945 that's from the same country. Have you heard her? Shay, I was watching Casablanca for the third time. 3.30 in the morning. I had to take a piss. That's what you're going to get uh, with Shay and North. Uh, with, the, with the odds couple coming up at 8 o'clock. Right into Freddie and Fitzsimmons right here on ESPN 1000. So we got a chance to talk to Rick Hahn, the general manager of the White Sox. Anything, yes. anything resonate with you? It just feels like he is more at peace with himself. He did not hire Tony. That's just a fact. Everyone knows that. And it didn't work. So get out of the way. Let him generally manage the team that he generally managed to this point. Uh And let's go. So I think he's much more at peace in this game. I would agree with that. But, again, it's a results-oriented business, Cap. Mm-hmm. Got to win. He, he may feel good about his roster, and rightfully so. 
But Cap, it's about health. That's the number one thing with this team. Mm-hmm. It's the health, and then when you are healthy, giving up four and five out innings. The thing that's always frustrated me about the White Sox over the last ten plus years is just like you, you beat yourself. You don't lose games. There's a lot. There's a lot of talent major league baseball. Cap, you go to a game. Oh, we lost this one. Oh, that team's just better. Oh, those guys. But you just don't want to get clowned out there when you beat yourself. Nothing aggravates me more in baseball than booting the ball. Two, you know, three and four out innings, uh, four and five out innings, right? When you can't pitch around your mistakes, like those things bother me. Mm-hmm. And that's been the White Sox a lot for me. Mm-hmm. My hope is, is that one, they can stay relatively healthy, but two, be able to be, as I'm just going to paraphrase, just be a solid franchise mm-hmm. with a plan. Agreed. A plan, Cap. Agreed. And I think they have a plan. Look, if, you're, if your ownership is not going to let you spend at the top of the market, makes your job a lot tougher. And they won't. Jerry, that he does not spend at the top of the market. Would I if I was the owner? Yes. He won't. I don't agree with that philosophy. I've made that clear. That's correct. But he looks at it and says, show me, Sox. Show me that you can be a perennial playoff team. Get in the mix, you know, get there, and then I'll spend. I would, you know he'll spend if he feels like he's close. But he won't spend where he should spend, in my opinion. Yep. Good person to work for. Everyone I've talked to who works for him said he's an awesome guy. I know Jerry. Awesome guy. Yep. I don't agree with his philosophy of not spending at the top of the market. And so it's a badge of honor that you spent $75 million on an okay player in Andrew Benintendi. Melky. Melky Cabrera. I mean, that is what we have on the team now. That's Melky Cabrera. Right. Like, why not? <laughs> you can't take the money with you. You're in your I 80s. Just... I would think, you know what? We're close. Fair. We're close. Go, go get me whoever the guy is. Get me a starter. Get me Verlander. Give him a two-year, what did he get, two years mm-hmm. and $80 Let's go. That's when you feel like you're going for it. We're pushing our chips in. I didn't ask you to spend $500 million over 15 years. A two-year $80 million deal to get the best available starter and put him right in your rotation. That is a signal that you're trying to win. Now They I don't, don't do that. I like the idea of spending money. I you know and I'll give the Rangers this much credit. Right? You got to have a what a half billion dollars in salary, but at least they say new stadium. We got to get people in this ballpark in the summer, man. We need to get some names in here at least try. I, any any fan cap that is reading every day or knowing about their ball club online, all they want is an effort in the front office. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they're trying. If you're a Met fan today, you're like, you know what? Our our owner with a ruthless aggression is going to go for it. I want, I want our team to be a World Series championship, and I'll spend through the nose for it. When I measure my success as an owner, obviously you want to win a World Series. But you know, I'm also going to measure my success on building a farm system so we can create sustainability year in and year out. And that's um, um, really important to me, okay, because I, you know, that's, how you, that's how you really uh, create something that's special. Right and and you know the farm system being innovative and doing new things and and developing players uh, you know t- taking good players and making them great and and if if we can accomplish some of those things and I think we can then you know that would be a marker of success for me personally sustainability he wants to be able to spend a lot of money cap but at the same time take care of the farm system a la the Dodgers 
Right? Because go back and look. This is not excuse. This is fact. Over the last 10 or 12 years, every team that wins the World Series has also at the run-up to it had a top 10 farm system. You have to have a farm system. You have to. Like, where do you think the Dodgers get Walker Bueller and Gavin Lux? And when those guys get injured, they keep running more good young players out there. You can't just live in free agency. You cannot. We'll get. We'll talk about this more when we get closer to, you know, opening day for the White Sox. But here's what I heard from the interview: We like what we have, but we were injured and underachieving. And and I'm glad that Han puts it out there. He puts it out there for everybody on a plate. Like, yeah, we sucked last year, and he's we honest. all know it. Yeah, and but but what he's telling me as a Sox fan, who's telling me that Grandal. And Moncada and Anderson and and uh, Luis Roberts and Aloy, all these guys are going to be able to take it up a couple notches and be exactly what we think they should be. I hope. Okay. What? Well, what? As a Sox fan, what else can I do? That's then, it. then we talk about the, the starting rotation, right? Okay. I can. I love that they're going to go north with Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. Knock on wood, that guy stays healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito and Clevenger. I'm okay. I'm good with that. I can. You can win with that. You ask a salient question about the closer. That feels like Kendall Graveman to me, or closer by committee. Right, because Joe Kelly's proven he's not a closer. Good setup guy. He's not a closer and not an author. Um, but uh, <laughs> your career's not over yet, Kelly. You're writing a book now. Stop sticking your tongue out and pitch the ball. Yeah, and stay healthy. How about that? Stay healthy. So, or, or like Lopez, maybe in the future. As a as a setup guy, maybe closer. We'll see. But like, what as a Sox fan, I'm just telling you, Cap, that that's what I heard from the interview. We like what we have. We just got to get healthy and just play better baseball. Play with good energy. But what if you don't? Hell to pay for it. Well, you got that right. You're sitting next to me every day. Oh, it's gonna be hell to pay. It was last year. It was no fun. You were on this side of the room at that point. You'd come in here every day or whatever. Lousy ball club. <laughs> Seriously. 500 ball club going nowhere fast. Nowhere. They didn't go anywhere and fast. not even fun. So, and, th- and let me ask you this. So, Andrew Vaughn is supposed to be who now? Were we here in the offseason? He's supposed to be the next what? Babe Ruth. Garvey? What was he supposed to be? Garvey did it again. Like, he's in his natural position now. Okay. No excuses. All right. All right. So, I, so I get 35 homers from that right now. Is he in the natural position? So, I get, what do I get? 280? 285 and... 35 bombs. We'll see. Drive, drive, drive in 90, 95. We'll see. I'm asking, I'm asking a question. Oh, <laughs> but I'm just, yeah, I'm just asking the question. So um, coming up, we got the Friday folder. And it's brought to you by ETI School of Skilled Trades. And I just did want to wish our friend Tom Kleinschmidt is listening downstate. DePaul Prep, Bloomington Central Catholic, 1 p.m. Saturday, Class 2A Championship. My guy. F. Tom Kleinschmidt. Oh, because he beat your ass at the sales <laughs> when he was a Gordon Tech Ram. F. Tom Kleinschmidt. Go get him, Tommy. Never mind, Tom. I don't like you. I do. I, I love I, you. That's fine. I've got. I gotten over it though. I've had therapy after him putting up points against Eric Anderson time and time again. All right. On one hundred third and uh, and Ewing. So I'm I'm good now, Tom. Good luck to you. I suppose. The Friday Fuller next on Cap and Jay Hood. Here's today's headline. Headline with Cap and Jay Hood. Here's Jonathan Hood. 
Good morning, Chicago. The Illini were eliminated from the Big oh, Ten tournament. Broken microphone over there. Last night, 76-73, to 73, the loss against Penn State's the third time being beaten by the Nittany Lions. The Illini will now await their fate in the NCAA tournament on Section Sunday, likely to be the 10th seed. Carlos Rodon, former White Sox pitcher who signed a $162 million deal with the Yankees last offseason, is injured with a forearm strain. Northwestern will take on Penn State. You can hear that game right here on ESPN 1000 starting at 5.15 with the pregame with Dave Bennett and Billy McKinney right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Good morning. Glad you're along for the Cap and Jay Hood experience. We're here weekdays from 7 to 10 on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN. Hello. Chicago. Good morning. Cause it's Friday. It's time for the Friday folder. And you ain't got to do. On the Cap and J Hood Show. Ah, the Friday folder. Brought to you by the fine folks over at. That would be E T I School of Skill Trade. Take that. Here is the very very interesting. And talented snorling. Thank you for that. Usually it's snore bore. Something about me being sleepy and boring. That was a nice little intro. There you go. Here's Shane Orling. Shane. Thank you, Jonathan. I want to start with a Utah man who entered a bank. Utah man. Yeah, it's the new Florida man. Mm-hmm. Entered a bank and had a note that he held up to the, uh, the cashier mm-hmm. that said, this is a robbery. He wanted to steal $1. And his goal, ultimately, was to go to federal prison. After the robbery, where he stole a dollar from the bank and was told that he's not going to federal prison, he said, you can either put me in federal prison or I will come back and rob this bank for more money so that I can go to federal prison. (laughs) And so the end result is he's still still in large, right? I believe he's still at large, yeah. Yeah, that is a mental health issue, is it not? I want to go there because of the room and board. Well, my one question is, has he been institutionalized before in a prison Mm -hmm. where there are, I've read articles about it, where there are people that have served time that are unable to function in regular society. They need to know, like in uh, Shawshank. Yes. Boss, can I go to the bathroom? You don't have to ask. Well, I've been doing it for 42 years. I'm not this how I'm wired. Yep. Yep. So I'm wondering if that's what's going on here. Yeah, I think so. I just think he's used to the uh, the unfriendly confines of prison. Is used to that life. And he goes, I'm just going to keep robbing you until I get to the front of prison. That's, that's a hell of a goal. Doesn't sound like he's got a criminal history. Uh, he was... He said he wanted to get arrested and go into federal prison. It's not clear why he was so adamant about this. He was booked into Salt Lake County Metro Jail and released on Wednesday. No longer in custody. But he did get a felony robbery charge. He's going to keep trying, Cap, till he gets there. That's his goal. Federal prison. And then he may wake up one day in Lewisburg and go, oh, my. What was I thinking? Yeah. You want to be in here, huh? Welcome. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, come on over here. And what kind of name is Snarling? <laughs> I interviewed a guy who got out of, he had 15 years Yeah, at Lewisburg Federal mm-hmm. Penitentiary. Yeah. He said, brother, on your worst day, you can't imagine the hell that place was. 
ESPN, let's see, ESPN 1000, hi. Hey, good morning. It's Joe from uh, Jefferson Park. Hey, what that you guy doing? that got locked up or yeah. wanted to get locked up wanted to get away from his wife. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Shane, what else do you have? <laughs> wow. that, you, that, you can't make that one up. Shane, what I didn't else even you screen have? that call. There you go. Wow. All right. So how about this video going viral this morning? This is from the New York Post. A gator that has been dubbed the Godzilla Gator busts through an iron fence with uh, with ease. It was trying to get onto the golf course. And this course, I guess, had just put up brand new fencing to protect people walking by and to keep gators out. Well, this gator didn't care. Just puts its head back and forth through the fence. And you should see, if you can pull up the photo of this, the iron bars in the fence are bent so that there's probably, like, they're two-inch bars usually. There's probably three feet between the two bars here. My God, just blew through them. So okay, so of course you ask, how hard is a croc's head? It just answered your question. That's crazy. I never. Well, you know a lot about gators and crocodiles and alligators, right? I didn't know their head was that strong that they could go through an iron fence like that. So there's nothing that could stop it, Cap. Not even a true link fence. Uh, I'm pulling up the picture. Holy smoke! Okay, this picture is freaking terrifying. Holy jeez. And they said that the gator actually was able to get itself through the fence. They were trying to dig holes to get it through, but then it just opened the fence up and went right through it. That's that's bananas. All right, what else do we have? How about an 82-year-old man who's been accused of selling $800,000 in fake sports cards, including Michael Jordan rookie cards? Now, let's circle back to where we were a couple days ago talking about memorabilia, right? Mm -hmm. So this guy, does this old man know what he's doing? 82-year-old man selling fake rookie cards? Shane? Yeah, he had like fake Michael Jordan basketball cards. Uh, They say it's a scheme. And prosecutors are after him because he made over 800000 in four years. So it sounds like he did know what he was doing and he was intentionally ripping people off. So you put him in the penitentiary next to the guy that wants to get in also. Correct. 82 years old, trying to scam people. You do it once. You shouldn't do it. You do it once. You make a haul. Get out. I'm going to keep doing it because I'm just going to rip off people. Bad guy. Bad guy. As alleged, Mr. McNeil defrauded sports memorabilia collectors by intentionally misrepresenting the authenticity of the trading cards when he was peddling them. In fact, they were counterfeit. Uh, what's the last guy's, what's his name? McNeil. Mm-hmm. Let me make a call here to <laughs> Northwest Indiana. <laughs> oh, my God. That's He's, my dad. I mean, pretty, pretty on-brand quote here, too, Hoodie. I did nothing wrong, McNeil said. <laughs> Check out the 25th anniversary party on March 24th, the ESPN Chicago House of Blues. There was a story about one of my relatives, Chicago. Chicago. (laughs) All right, what else? Love you, Danger. Go Uh, ahead. I I wanted to bring this up the other day. We talked about bullfrogs in Utah being an invasive species in the state of Utah, asking people to take care of things for them, hunt them down, and eat them. Well, in Florida, apparently iguanas are causing real issues as an invasive species. So Florida residents have taken to what they're calling chicken of the trees. You're now getting iguana tacos. Mmm. Iguana tacos. Does, does this sit wrong with anybody else? Iguana, like, 
when I was a kid, there were kids in school who had iguanas as pets. Yeah. I, now iguana tacos? Yeah, that's no, it's no not shot. right with me. Yeah, no shot. You wouldn't try it? No. What if you didn't know what it was? It was mystery meat. No. You still would have a... You still, you'd think it's good. And all of a sudden, they say, oh, by the way, eating iguana. I'd lose my appetite, A, but B, I, I'm, in a, I'm willing to try a lot more things than I was earlier in my life. Mindy got me to be more of a... Uh, the right word. Open-minded eater. Mm-hmm. I'm not eating iguana. No chance. Just, just because it's on the plate doesn't mean you got to eat it, right? Correct. Then I'll try it. Now, the photo, it does look like a fried chicken. It looks like a fried chicken taco. And they say it tastes just like chicken. That's where the nickname oh. Chicken of the Trees comes from. If Jeffrey Donald was your waiter... <laughs> All right. Well, that's a, little, that's a little different. That's last Sunday's episode of The Last of Us, if anybody watched that. Uh, so, Jay Moore, we're in, man. Tastes like chicken. We're in. Put a little mild sauce on it. A little salt and pepper. Yes. All good. No <laughs> shot. That's like me and Jay Moore. If you just put mild sauce and salt and pepper on it, we'll try it. We'll try anything. A little, a little hot sauce. A little, a little hot sauce. That's good. That's good, Aiden. Let me, can I get another one? That's good, Aiden. <laughs> I'm out. You pass the recipe down over the years, man. You bring it over there to the family reunion, go to the party. Man, guess what I got? I got that fresh iguana, man. <laughs> it's going to be a delicacy now. <laughs> all the cookouts. We're I'm just saying, iguana. man. All, no of sudden, all of a sudden, Richton Park, you know, South Holland, Dalton, all of a sudden, start pick, you know, popping up iguana. Man, I got that fresh iguana, though. <laughs> like iguana restaurants. Wow. I can't believe it's not meat because it's not. <laughs> that is the Friday folder. Going to Whole Foods. Excuse me, do you have any iguana? <laughs> you, what? what? Watch, Cap. You laugh, right? They're, Watch. They're going to send you down the street to PetSmart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean, you never thought you'd see dispensaries on every corner either, did you? No, I did not. Oh, okay, so don't be surprised. You're like, I heard this iguana is healthy for you. Can I get a half pound? Thinly sliced, please. Yeah. I'm going to use it for sandwiches. Also, a little uh, something from the deli tray. Thanks. Get some cheese. If Danny's eating it, then I'll know it's healthy. Oh, yeah. Then you'll try it then. You laugh at it now. But if it was healthy, Danny said, oh, let me tell you something. It's really healthy. You really like it. You should really, <laughs> you really should have it. You, uh, imagine. You, Danny says I should have iguana. Mindy, how about that? Because I usually pick up the dinner in the afternoon. Mindy, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. You pick. What is this? It's delicious. What did you make? Iguana. <laughs> Danny told me we should eat it. <laughs> the Captain Jamin cut of the day. Fat. It's coming up next. Welcome back. Welcome, Welcome back to Captain Jamin on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Captain Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Now, Cap, it's time for the Captain Jay Hood Cut of the Day. Brought to you by Chicago Cut Steakhouse. It's a Friday. That means I would recommend like a later lunch, like a 1.30, 2 o'clock lunch. Get the burger, get the three-day process of the fries. They're amazing. And get yourself a nice cold beer, maybe a little bourbon after lunch, and a little mint Oreo ice cream pie and start your weekend right. All right, we'll see what we have. Yo. Yes, it's boring, but it's a sport. Oh! Whatever. 
It's not boring. Okay, then you're boring. All right, cut. So Wakanda's not on that list? No, not nominated for Best best Picture. Angela Bassett is nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, man. Not the town of Wakanda. The movie Wakanda. All right. (laughs) Oh, I thought maybe they shot something up. (laughs) Not the town of Wakanda. Wakanda. (laughs) Wakanda. (laughs) That's different. It's a different. Not, it's, it's that Joe from Wakanda. You're on ESPN. No, that Wakanda. It's Wakanda. Wakanda. Oh, with a K. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> now I got it. Oh my God. I thought it was W A U C O N D A, where they, they have like something. the beach up there. And that's all, folks. And that is the Cap and Jay cut of the day. Brought to you by. by Chicago Cut Steakhouse. David Flom and Matt Moore's River North creation is awesome. <laughs> yes, Cappy. I think you learned something today about culture. I did. The, the K in Wakanda. <laughs> the X, the Wakanda. Yeah. Yes. W-A-U-K-A-N-D-A. Uh, I think it's W-A-K. But I think you understand now that there's a difference between the Suburban. Look, W-A-K. Yeah, just, just take a, let's just look it up. You're not going to get in trouble by looking up Wakanda. <laughs> Black think, Panther. You think all the folks who live in, in up, up in Wakanda in the suburbs are walking around Wakanda forever? You think that's going oh, on up oh, there? Yeah, it is. W-A-K-A-N-T-A. <laughs> yes. Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Yeah, well, what do you see there, by the way? I see Michael B. Jordan. Uh-huh. I see Letitia Wright. Uh-huh. Angela Bassett. Uh-huh. A guy whose name I can't pronounce. That's, there's a BT audience clapping right there. Uh, Dominique <laughs> Thorne. Uh huh. What do you mean a name you can't pronounce? Uh, Joe Johnson? Tanak Huerta? Is that his name? Close. Okay. Denai Guerrera? Uh huh. Did I get it right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Better than I thought. <laughs> Lupita Nyongo, who's awesome. Yes. She's an awesome actress. How much do you think? Black Panther Wakanda Forever, based on the town up north here. What? It is not based on the town up there. Oh, I it thought is. it was based on that town. They spelled it differently, Cap, though. They have to see, pay residuals. Let me just tell you, you won't, see, right. you won't see any of those actors up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lapita Nyong'o's not from there. No, I, don't, I don't think you'd see her. Letitia no, Wright. They're all shopping at Whole Foods up there. Angela Bassett. Getting their locks bagels. How much money did that box movie make at the box office? Well, it's got my money for sure. It's got about $50 of my money, so I would say somewhere in the area of well over, God, I'm two, three million, four million. That'd be $858.8 million. Yeah, just in Chicago. Four and million. on a budget of 250 so they made money. Yeah. It just continues. That, that's a series that just continues, right? Never saw it, but. I think you should. Okay. I think you should watch that. I think you'd be, uh, that in P-Valley, I think it would be good for you to be able to, you know, take a look and I'm learn. Just starting two episodes, going into episode two <laughs> of Your Honor. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I won't give it away then. Spectacular show. Did I won't... you say P Valley? I did. So this oh, is love that. So this is early in our show, right? Our show's history. Mm-hmm. I Cap would always, you know, when Mike Thomas was running things here, Mike would say, Hey, hi, maybe you should watch this movie. Maybe you should and Cap would be like, Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I'll, I'll report on it Monday. Absolutely. I'll watch it over the weekend, right? I would suggest something. Yeah, I didn't get to it. I didn't get to it. And I told this man week after week. Put on a little P-Valley. 
I mean, you I mean shut the drapes, but at the same time, you should you should watch it, right? Never got around to it. My suggestions, no. Mike Thomas, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, boss man, it was fantastic. I'm just telling you, me, eh, my partner, push him to the side. <laughs> so I was, and you still haven't watched P Valley. I have not. Why not? You saw the previews. You got scared. A little bit. There's ah! <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with oh, black strip club play uh, show on television. Just, uh, just watch it. Just, but again, draw the drapes though. You don't want the neighbors to take a look. See what he's watching at two o'clock in the afternoon. Where's his wife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My suggestions: No. Mike Thomas, absolutely. Sparky, Yoshi, Stanley. Come on, we're gonna watch some P Valley here. Oh man! Wow. I had to close my eyes a couple of times on some of that. Wow. My friend, we're going to have a great weekend. Yes, sir. Happy birthday to my father-in-law, Ronald Samitas. Happy 80th. We'll have a good weekend. Fire it up. We thank you for listening and calling and switching and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Our thanks to you, Shay. Our thanks to you, Jay Moore. For Cap, I'm Jay Hood here on this National Pack Your Lunch Day. Make sure you pack your lunch. Cap does it all the time. We're going to do the same thing here all weekend. That's it. Have fun. Snorling, have a good time at the Big Ten Tournament. I hope your Spartans beat some Ohio State ass today. We'll talk to you Monday at 7. So long, everybody. Take that from Chicago. Jimmy! What kind of name is that?